Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's Let's ride. Time for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. Welcome to February, everyone. Hope you're doing well out there. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Here we are again. Baseball is still locked out, and it seems that there is no compromise even close whatsoever. But Jake Reiner, welcome to the show once again. What's new with you? Well, we haven't really gotten to a um, any type of real progress. I guess them meeting and talking is progress. And then today it was reported that they called on some, some type of mediator to come in. Uh, and to be honest, I'm all for that. I think that, um, you know, the, the, the first rule to healing, right, is recognizing you need help. So no issue with them going out and trying to get someone to bring these sides together because as we know, they are miles and miles apart, specifically on the financial aspects of things. Uh, we know universal DH and expanded playoffs are things that they can agree on. Um, but as far as arbitration and free agent eligibility and all of that stuff, they are so far apart on, and I'm getting nervous about opening day. I, I, I I'm not confident that they're going to be able to get something done to where it doesn't affect opening day. We know full well it's affecting spring training at this point because we needed to have something in place by February and we don't have anything close to that. That's right. Former two-time Dodger and World Series champion Alex Wood tweeted about an hour ago saying, how can MLB request for there to be a mediator from the federal government to help with negotiations when they literally haven't even done any negotiating up to, up to this point asking for a friend? David Rosenthal, how's it going? Well, Kevin, you know, my personal hell is the Jeff Passan and John Heyman tweets saying, well, MLB and, and MLBPA had planned to meet and they've made slim progress and blah, 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 blah. And then you get these Alex Wood tweets and other players are like posturing saying, well, how can MLB do this? It's just everybody just shut up, figure it out. I'm tired of these stupid tweets. These people trying to get public opinion on their side 
on on Twitter and, and Instagram, all that, it's just exhausting. And it's, it obviously reminds everybody of uh, 2020 when this exact same thing happened and there was no deal and they couldn't come together and blah, 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 blah. But yeah, I mean, I hope they that the MLB Players Union lets the mediator, you know, mediate. Uh, obviously, they need some kind of outside party to do something because these two sides are both incompetent. They both have no interest in making a deal at this point uh, without giving up some concessions. And uh, it's it's frustrating. Uh, the fact that he's a federal federal mediator gives me pause because the federal government has not earned my trust lately. But here, here we are. Uh, more of the same, honestly, more of the same. Personally, I think they should have hired Dr. Phil. Maybe they could have even gone with Dr. Drew. I think either sure. of those two guys could have gotten this done. I've Dr. seen Dr. Oz. Hell. Dr. Oz, maybe. What's Oprah up to? She's on, she's saving Kevin from the apocalypse. Right. But if she has a, she, if she has some spare time, you know. Yeah. If Oprah was to, you know, end this MLB lockout, I think I win. Like, I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, I 100%. So Cheryl Romano 15 on Twitter who asked, how can a bunch of men act like babies? We're, um, maybe we need a conflict resolution coach. Well, they got one. They're going to, they got the mediator. So we'll see what happens. Well, it's the MLB suggested the mediator. The players union has already taken to Twitter uh, that Eugene Freeman or something guy was seeming like he was sour on it. Uh, obviously the Alex, would tweet you just read seemed sour on it so i don't know i mean i'm on the player's side for the most part here but i just can't stand tony clark and bruce meyer the head of the players union the chief negotiator of the players union i think they suck at their jobs i've said this before i think they are legitimately bad at their jobs and they don't get enough slack yeah all right so we got a few topics for today maybe they episode. get too much slack well, yeah do, well do not interrupt me like that <laughs> Well, well, we, I think we need, David, I think we need a mediator for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Just, ki just kidding. We got a number of topics and <laughs> despite no MLB transactions or games or anything to talk about, we're going to do our best. So I figured we'll start the episode off by revisiting some of the Dodgers major league and minor league signings that have occurred this off season. So we'll start with one of the first ones, Andrew Heaney way back when signed a one year, eight and a half million dollar deal. So I was looking at his career stats and a 472 career ERA does not scream front of the line starter by any means. Last season, he did really struggle with a 583 ERA between the angels and the New York Yankees. And it was really bad with the Yankees, but you know, if they're going to count on this guy to be in the rotation, the one stat that actually scared me more than his ERA is that he's only made 30 starts just one time in the eight seasons he's pitched in the pros. Good. Yeah, that, because that, I don't want him making 30 starts for the Dodgers. Nor will he be, would he be able to, if you asked him to do that? I mean, we've seen, you know, that's been my knock on Haney is that he's just is not durable. Um, and then when, even when he is there, I, I don't trust him on the mound. I've never I've never understood the hype around him, to be honest. He's not really shown that he can live up to it. But I am I am confident, as we've said before, in the Dodgers pitching staff um, and guys like Rob Hill, who we talked about last episode, 
working at drive line. I, I have trust in the, in the Dodgers coaches to be able to figure something out with Haney, but I, I, I feel like, you know, Haney getting Andrew Haney would, would be like such a big deal. in like the McCourt era, like that would be like our big signing for the off season. And we'd be stoked that we got a starting pitcher. Um, but we know full well that once the lockout is lifted, that this is not going to be the only move that uh, Andrew Friedman makes in terms of starting, starting pitching. So, I mean, it's a nice piece. We got to, we got to gobble up all the arms that we can um, because it, we, we saw it last year. We just didn't have enough pitching, even though we thought we had too much pitching. Um, I, I say, you know, gather whoever I'm all on, I'm all on board with, with trying to get guys like Zach Granke on the, on the team. Like, I don't think oh, that, God. I don't, I don't think that you can have enough. You really can't. Yeah, I agree. You cannot have too much starting pitching and we'll get to some of the guys they signed to minor league deals in just a couple minutes. But yeah, that's all I have to add really with Haney. You know, I do think he's going to be a major part of the rotation, whether you want to believe in him or not. And I trust the Dodgers coaching staff to turn him into what is supposed to be Robbie Ray 2.0. Now, I don't expect him to win a Cy Young, but I do expect him to make close to 30 starts and maybe have an ERA in the high threes. I think that's reasonable expectations. We, we got to do more, man. I mean, this can't be it. This just cannot no, be it. No, it won't be it. It won't be it. It can't be it. There's no way. I mean, who is your, even your starting rotation right now? Walker Bueller, Julio Arias, and then just, <laughs> I mean, what, what do you got? I mean, Trevor Bauer, maybe, who knows? Gonsolin. I don't know. Tony Gonsolin, who has not proven that he deserves to be in the starting rotation. Andrew Heaney. I mean, you're not getting I trust Gonsolin. I, I trust Gonsolin over Haney. Well, that's, this is, that should not be an either or situation. Those are the guys you should start when you like someone gets injured. I just don't, I, I don't think they're going to do this, but I don't, I, I don't want a situation where you're rushing guys up to the major leagues that are, you know, not ready. Like, well, they won't you know, do that. right. Ryan, well, you may have to, if you don't Ryan, have enough, they'll, they'll call on the uh, lesser tier guys because of service manipulation time and all that. Like they're not going to rush Ryan Pepio up who struggled in triple a last season. If he's, I still- know, but you look at this rotation and you may not have a freaking choice. I mean, it, okay. Andre Jackson, Mitch white. I mean, Jesus. Like you got your we, Mike Kickums, you know, <laughs> donate on my boy. Yeah, um, it's not your boy. It's you. It's me. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next guy. Cause he is also an important part of now the Dodgers bullpen referring to Daniel Hudson, who signed a one year, $7 million deal. I think there's a club option in there as well. He's almost 35. He will be 35. I should say by the time major league baseball starts, whenever that is uh, last season, he was, not too good in the second half when he got traded to the Padres. He had a 521 ERA. That's concerning. But overall in 2021, had a 331 ERA. 2020, he was really bad, had a 610 ERA. But 2020 was hit or miss for a lot of guys. Uh, he, to me, he's basically replacing Corey Knable. And I think he'll get a, plenty of high leverage innings if he, you know, proves himself. But he might also start a few games here and there as an opener. Second stint for Daniel Hudson as a Dodger. I'm not opposed to it. I like the signing. I wish we could have kept Knable as well. Um, it seemed as though Knable didn't really get as much money or years as we all thought he would uh, signing with the Phillies. But 
be that as it may, I don't think we can fully judge Daniel Hudson on his time in San Diego, because as we know, pitchers kind of die there, um, you know, with the exception of you, Darvish. I mean, but even Snell wasn't that great um, in San Diego. Yeah, just against the Dodgers, really. And Daniel Hudson actually was really good against the Dodgers in 2019 when he was a member of the Nationals and he won a World Series with them. So um, I'm all I'm all for it. Yeah, one stat that I did like, and it's kind of interesting because throughout his career, he was not a strikeout pitcher, but uh, last season over 51 and two thirds innings, he had 75 strikeouts. So the K rate has climbed tremendously. So he's found something. And I think this dude had two Tommy John surgeries as well. Yeah, he's going to be a good piece. Uh, The bullpen is by far the strongest part of this Dodgers team as it is. Uh, Like Kevin, like you said, he's just replacing Knable. Uh, obviously that there's still a Kenley Jansen sized hole in the bullpen as of now. So we'll see what Hudson's role really is, uh, but it's a good piece. So onto some minor league acquisitions, starting with Carson Fulmer, who they got in the rule five minor league draft. Uh, age 28 has not proven anything at all in his major league career, had a 641 ERA uh, throughout his bit time in the big leagues. Last season had a 666 ERA. But if you are into FIP, was a 469 ERA, which is, you know, that's respectable. Six years service time so far. Uh, looks like that he's been converted into a reliever. I should mention that as well. I don't know if he will have an impact with the Dodgers this upcoming season. But you never know. That this could be the next Phil Bickford. One of my favorite signings so far are draft picks, real five picks, is this guy. Uh, insane talent coming in, coming out of the draft. I think he was the, the top five pick. Uh, I know he went to Vanderbilt. Has not put it together in any of his five seasons. Uh, one, one year, 2017, he actually had a decent year. Uh, only 23 innings, but it was a solid year overall. Huge, huge upside to Carson Fulmer with little downside there. This next one, I actually am more excited about. It's John Duplancher. I hope I'm saying that right, but another minor. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I another minors rule five guy. Was we have a lot of time to figure that out too. <laughs> With the D backs last season, he was bad, but so was everyone that put on a Diamondbacks uniform. 13, 15 ERA over 13 innings. But one encouraging sign is that he's still young, only 27, and he had a 442 ERA in 2019. I think the potential's there. I think he was a top, he was in the top 10 D-backs or yeah, D-backs farm system at one point. And this is a guy that they could convert into something. I'm, I'm fairly confident that we could be seeing him in the majors at some point for the Dodgers. Um, probably in the back half of the season though. Didn't the Giants try to claim him and somehow the, we got him instead? The Giants lost him in the rule five draft. To us. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I like that already. <laughs> All right. This one happened more recently. I think this was about a week ago. Uh, they signed to a minor league deal. Sam Gaviglio. Uh, he's older, 31. He's been around a little bit. Mariners, Royals, Blue Jays, 488 career RA. And we were talking about a few minutes ago, who are going to be those guys that might spot start in emergency situations. Well, here's one of your options because he will probably be in the AAA rotation for the majority of the season, but would not shock me if they call him up for a spot here and there. 
and then hopefully they don't DFA him. I mean, it's really just gathering as many, you know, parts as you can to see which ones pan out. And with Andrew Friedman and company's track record with the Dodgers coaching staff track record, all of that considered, I'm, I'm at the point as a fan where I just have blind trust here. Like, you know, I, I don't really care what their numbers are before this or, you know, what, what kind of surgeries they had. I, I don't care about any of that um, because like with all of these guys, there's only, you know, it's very little risk. And, and if they hit, it's a great reward for that. And, and the Dodgers have a long history of that recently of just finding diamonds in the rough. And so, you know, bring them on, see what we can get. But again, you know, I know that once the lockout is lifted, we're going to see a flurry of different moves. And even uh, Dave Roberts in a recent interview with Sportsnet LA um, was saying that once the lockout is done, he expects a lot of activity. Um, so I'm excited to see what happens with, with the roster. These guys are complimentary pieces. These guys are fringe guys that you know may or may not contribute but you know i if they see something in 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 these guys if they see anything in these guys then i'm willing to have an open mind about all of them yeah then just a couple honorable mention guys that i don't have anything to add but eddie alvarez the olympian minor league deal and yefi ramirez who made like one appearance last season brought him back on a minor league deal so if you guys have anything to add to that Go for it. Otherwise, we can move on. So the, your Los Angeles Rams are in the Super Bowl. Let's start there. You guys have any comments on that? I told you. It, well, I, I have told you to be fair, but I still told you on that end. What they would make that they would make the Super Bowl? Yeah, I said the Rams Chiefs was was the lock of the century. So well, I guess half of it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I was at the uh, NFC championship game and it was so cool to watch uh, that unfold at the same time. It was also just completely nerve wracking and it was almost a freaking disaster. Um, There were so many different moments where the Rams could have lost that game, but they didn't. And that's what matters. And uh, Sean McVay was able to to beat Kyle Shanahan uh, and kind of put that to bed and get back to the Super Bowl for the second time in four years or whatever it is. Um, that's huge. So I couldn't be happier for him. I couldn't be happier for, uh, for Matthew Stafford. And I couldn't be happier for guys like Odell Beckham and Von Miller, who, you know, came over mid season, all the talk about all the stars, the Rams were collecting. And, and, and if you notice the same narrative, that they're talking about the Rams. They've said about the Dodgers, about how they all, they just acquire talent. None of it's homegrown. Well, if you look at a bunch of the contributors on the Rams, there's a lot of homegrown talent there, like Cooper Cup and Cam Akers. And uh, the the list goes on and on and on. Uh, Aaron Donald. Donald. I mean, geez, it's, you know, Nick Scott. uh, You know, all of these guys that are, that, that have been there for, uh, a lot longer than you think uh, have all contributed um, a- as well as the other guys. And they're just at like any other team really, except for the fact that they don't really value draft picks. Yeah. Someone's 
I don't know how credible he is, but he said he said the stat was that the Rams have the sixth most homegrown grown players in the NFL on their team. So yeah, so you know, I don't want to hear it. Also, who cares? Like, why do you care? Like the Rams are in the Super Bowl. Why do you yeah. care how they got their players? Yeah, I mean, there's a maybe you should cap. maybe your team should be doing that too. If if your homegrown guys suck or aren't performing, maybe you should go out and get some other guys. Well, that's what Les Need is sort of saying to the rest of the league. Like, you know, okay, you know, it, 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 you know, you talk about the Brian Flores scandal. He, the that owner was going to pay him a hundred thousand dollars for every loss to so Allegedly. they could tank. Allegedly. Whatever. Don't okay, want to be so, Ben Verlander, Babe Ruth's fire wife here. You're right. Right. We we have we have to to uh, respect that. Allegedly, okay, he was allegedly offered a hundred thousand dollars to lose games so that they could get a better draft position and get a better draft pick. But who knows? Those draft picks may not even turn out to be good, and they may may turn out to be busts. Les Need looks at it and says, "Look at the rest. Look at the field. We know who's proven out there. Let's go get those guys." Yeah, and real quick. The Rams traded two first-round picks and a fourth-round pick for Jalen Ramsey. Those first-round picks ended up being Calevon Chason and Travis Etienne, and that fourth-round pick was some nobody who had one tackle this year. So when you look back at that Ramsey trade, the Jaguars completely bungled it, completely. Chason has done nothing as an edge rusher in two years. Travis Etienne hasn't even played it down. He got he hurt his knee or something and hasn't even played. Uh, so when you look at draft picks in the NFL, it's – you got to hit on them. If you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to acquire two first round picks for a player of Jalen Ramsey's caliber, you better damn, you better make damn sure you hit on those picks. Jaguars basically just gave it to him for free. Jason and Etienne would even start on the Rams. Even if they're healthy. I got comments on that Brian Flores stuff later, but probably won't get to it this week. So I wanted everyone here. You know, this is obviously a Dodgers podcast. So what better way to incorporate your Dodgers than to, com- to compare them to some Rams? And I'm saying, you know, think of some Rams in the Super Bowl right now. Which Dodgers past or present player do they remind you of? So I think we'll go around the table and start with two guys each. And then we'll do the rest of our list after that. So, Jake, why don't you start? All right. So, um I'd be shocked if neither of you had this comparison, but I already know what it is then. <laughs> um, I'm just going to do it. Uh, I'm going to start us off with Matthew Stafford uh, is Clayton Kershaw. And um, you know, not, not Oof. because they're not because they're friends, um, but for the simple fact that these guys have had a really bad, you know, sort of reputation around their respective leagues of not being guys that show up in the postseason and Matthew Stafford that's all they talked about all season long that he was 0-3 in the playoffs he never could get it done albeit he did have a pretty terrible team around him in the Detroit Lions um but Kershaw again the narrative the playoff Kershaw thing and yeah Kershaw has had some blow-ups in the playoffs sure same with Stafford but they've also had some incredible playoff performances. And you just look at what Stafford's done. He's 3-0 and as a Ram, and he's been pretty damn near perfect. And most recently in the 2020 postseason, Clayton Kershaw was a huge reason why the Dodgers won that 2020 uh, trophy. So that's why I feel like they are you know, comparable. Um, they're quiet leaders, but they're fiercely competitive. Okay. 
Number two, um, this one, this one I'm pretty proud of. Um, Eric Weddle is David Freeze. And the reason I say this is because both were brought in at the end of their careers. Weddle was already done, but they brought him back. Um, they aren't as great as they once were, but both have been crucial and adapted to new, vitally important roles. So they're not the same player they once were, but the roles that they have now are crucially and, and very important to their teams. Um, they both have that clutch gene. Uh, Eric Weddle in the NFC Championship game led the Rams in tackles. Um, so he really stepped up and, and held the, the Niners in check. Um, they're both veteran leaders who shine big on the big stage, and they're both incredibly smart players in their respective sports. So those are, those are my top two right now. All right. David, you're up. All right. Uh, my first one is Cooper Cup is Justin Turner. I have that uh, one too. Yeah, very similar in terms of they're both just reliable. Uh, obviously, Cooper Cup took quite the step in his game this year, or he just had the right quarterback to showcase his, what's always been there. But Justin Turner, Cooper Cup are always going to make the play when you need it, uh, except for that one drop last week, Cooper. Uh, and they've just kind of been – had similar career paths where they started, you know, they're – well, Justin Turner started with the Mets and the Orioles, but he, he really came into his own as a Dodger uh, and they've kind of ascended through over time in their careers. And my second one is, which probably I doubt you guys have, but Aaron Donald and Max Muncy. Um, strictly from an attitude standpoint, uh, obviously Aaron Donald is arguably the best football player in, in the NFL. Uh, and Max Muncy is not the best baseball player in the MLB, but attitude ferocity and just overall level of intensity uh is where i make this comparison yeah also yeah. to the the cooper cup justin turner thing because i had that as well you have cooper cup who was a third round draft pick and jt signed a minor league deal with the dodgers in 2014 so you got guys that were not supposed to be as good as they've been yeah eastern washington cooper cup for the record, I hated that pick when the Rams made it. Uh, my hand is up. I wanted them to take Forrest Lamp, uh, offensive lineman, uh, who ended up with the Chargers and I don't think is in the NFL anymore. So, <laughs> right. Les Snead wins that one, and he still loses the 2-2 at Atwell pick, which is almost why they lost last week. No Donald, no Stafford comparisons coming from me. I'm starting with Cooper Cup. Reminds me a lot of Cody Bellinger. Both these guys at their peak play at an MVP level. And I, the Justin Turner, I could see that too, but Justin Turner is more of a vocal leader. To me, Cody Bellinger and Cooper Cup, anything that goes their way, they're both pretty much going to catch it. It's a guarantee. Uh, both of these guys, I think a third-round pick is pretty high in my opinion. Cody Bellinger was a fourth-round pick. Both these guys made an impact right away, their rookie season on. Cooper Cup in his second year, almost he, he helped them get to a Super Bowl. I know he got hurt at the end, so that was definitely – a big uh, presence lost in Goff's security blanket, but that's pretty much what Cup spent his entire career, Mr. Reliable. So, and just like Cody Bellinger, both these guys, when they're in the offense, they make a major impact right away. And they're pretty much, they're almost the same age too, I want to say. So start there. Number two, Johnny Hecker reminds me a lot of Austin Barnes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hunter. Fine. 
the punter gets almost no love from any team, but your punter is one of the most important positions, believe it or not, because their job is to pin the opposing team into bad field position. And also Johnny Hecker, unless they've changed it recently, I believe he's the placeholder too for the kicker. So those are pretty much two important positions for your team, special teams. And that's how you get a lot of your points is laces out and Austin Barnes, you know, same thing with his uh, framing doesn't get a lot of credit for that. So two guys on the team that have a significant role, but just don't seem to get a lot of credit from fans. The one other one that I had, which I'm not as confident in, but I, I thought was pretty, pretty accurate. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. Um, I compared him to Hanley Ramirez. Um, both elite midseason acquisitions um, solidified their respective teams as legitimate Super Bowl slash World Series contenders. Obviously, the Hanley Ramirez story um, ended with his broken rib, and that that team I think could have gone on to the World Series and, and won it. Um, but both came off uh, down seasons with their previous team. Didn't know what we were going to get with Hanley Ramirez. Um, didn't know what we were going to get with Odell Beckham Jr. Um, but both of them brought much needed swag to their teams and are, you know, are extremely valuable. The thing with Odell Beckham Jr. is that he, the, the longer that the, that he's been with the Rams, I mean, it seems pretty obvious, but the longer he's been with the Rams, the better connection he's had with Matthew Stafford. And he's Beckham has bailed this team out multiple occasions in crucial third down situations where he he'll make a ridiculous catch or keep his feet in bounds, keep the drive going. So he's been awesome. And he also had over a hundred uh, receiving yards in the NFC championship game, along with Cooper cup. And he's a big reason why they won. Those are the only two I had. I don't have okay. any more. All right. I got, th- I got three more than an honorable, me- honorable mention. I'll go to OBJ as well, except for me, Odo Beckham Jr. Reminds me a lot of Manny Machado. And I'll start with the hands aspect. They both have just tremendous handwork. Another thing is that I feel like they both kind of get a reputation of taking plays off. There's this whole narrative that Machado can be lazy, and I don't disagree there, but he's also a superstar in his own right and probably will make the Hall of Fame. Odo Beckham Jr., same thing. It just did not work out in Cleveland. I don't think that's necessarily a reflection of OBJ being washed. But we're seeing it with the Rams right now. He is a major part of why they're on this championship run, just like Machado helped the Dodgers get to a World Series. And then funny enough, I had Eric Weddle compared to Chase Utley for a lot of the similar reasons that yep. Jake said. So I don't really need to dive into that. And then, I, had, I was toying between Utley and Freeze, but yeah. you could go either way, I think. Then this one's more off the wall. Troy Reader reminds me of Pedro Baez. both these guys drive me up the wall but they are instrumental in like what this team does but it just seems like both of them are slow at times and thus effing up critical plays that seem to be scrutinized but at the end of the day both these guys are workhorses and you know they deserve to be on the field whether i want to admit it or not and then honorable mention because he's injured and won't be playing. But Robert Woods reminds me a lot of Adrian Gonzalez. Mm. Both these guys are just solid under the radar. They get the job done every season. They actually put up great stats. They don't get that national media attention, but they're just very 
important part of their team and have all the respects in the world from all, the, all their teammates. And so I went with that comparison to end this segment. Solid. All right. Jake, the next one you proposed of what we should talk about. So I'll allow you to introduce it. We've kind of talked about it a little bit, but given the fact that there is very limited news throughout the weeks here leading up to whatever spring training is going to be, I feel like we should kind of talk about uh, Dave Roberts a little bit. Um, you know, he's going into the final year of his deal, um, hasn't had a, uh, an extension yet, which I don't think necessarily means one way or the other, but the reason I wanted to have this conversation is kind of get your guys' thoughts on how we feel about Dave Roberts. You know, we, we obviously talk about him a lot uh, over the years, uh, his, the, the decisions he's made, uh, his in-game decisions, we criticize quite a bit. Um, but personally, I think, you know, I've changed the way I feel about him based on kind of what has happened, um, you know, over the years. Uh, and the fact that the Dodgers do have a World Series now, and my, my opinion has uh, shifted a little bit on him. But before I get into that, I kind of want to toss it to you guys to see like where we're at with Dave Roberts. Do we think he deserves an extension? Will he get one? And if you don't think he deserves one, why not? Go ahead, Kevin. All right. If I'm the Dodgers right now, I am not offering Dave Roberts an extension because in my opinion, he's underachieved as the manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, off the page, that might sound wacky because he has a 542 and 329 record, which is a 622 win percentage. I think that's the best in franchise history. But in the playoffs, he's 44 and 33. That's a 571 win percentage. Just in my opinion, one World Series with all these great teams that he's been essentially gifted, that's underachieving. And, you know, obviously 2017. You could make the case, yeah, the Astros cost him his second World Series. But I think back, and he made some major blunders in that series. You know, it stems with pulling Rich Hill early and mismanaging the bullpen. And then maybe in game seven, you know, apparently you Darvish went up to him and didn't want to start, and he went with him anyways. So I look at that series. And then 2018, you look at that Rich Hill moment, that arguably lost in the World Series. 2019, best team in franchise history, he goes to Kershaw in the bullpen. And then we go to 2021, going to Urias and other guys coming out of the bullpen in situations that they should not have been in, thus burning those guys out. So it's a question right now is, is Dave Roberts a one-hit wonder or is he the guy that can get them back to another World Series? Because I really don't know. I look at other coaches that had long runs with their teams like Mike Tomlin, still the Steelers coach, but they've only won one Super Bowl. Doc Rivers consistently gets jobs, but yet he's only won one NBA championship. And then in Major League Baseball, you have Joe Madden, who continue, continuously gets employed, but he's only won one World Series. And he's then the Mike most Sosha. overrated manager in the history and of then, sports. And then Mike Sosha, who had the Angels job forever, and it seemed like he got a free pass because they won one World Series. But the Angels went no, have been going nowhere ever since he left and with him from 2002 on. So... That's where I'm at with Dave Roberts. I think they need to at least make the World Series for him to deserve another contract because right now I'm not complacent with just one World Series. These teams are too darn good to continuously get knocked out early. Yeah, right, so David. I, I hear you. Um, I do agree that he has underachieved. 
Uh, he, I, I think for sure the Dodgers should have two World Series titles under his reign. Uh, granted, they were screwed over in 2017. I don't think they were going to win in 2018, but he made some bad decisions there. And then 2019 with the Kershaw thing. So I, I do think he should have won at least one of those, even with the cheating, even with all the other stuff. That being said, he is the man for this job. Uh, he is. Um, my biggest thing is, who are you going to get to replace him? There's just not anybody out there. He's on the bench. Uh, yeah, Bob you Garen. could give it to – I wouldn't mind that, but that's also not going to happen. Um, they're not going to fire Dave Roberts and just promote Bob Garrett. It's just not going to happen. The players all love him for the most part. At least that's what we hear. Uh, he works with Friedman well. Uh, a lot of these decisions are – you know, he makes the in-games decisions, but a lot of these – the strategy is coming from up top. And I think, to, to his credit, he has gotten better as a manager. Over time, he has gotten better. Uh, he's not perfect. He still has some shitty bullpen management uh, from time to time, like we saw it last year, uh, a little bit last year. I still think bringing in Julio Arias wasn't that bad of a move. Anyway, he's gotten better, and I think he, he, he won the World Series in 2020, uh, and he, he deserves an extension. And also, he could have easily already had an extension. The Dodgers have tended to keep these things under wraps. Friedman had already signed an extension before they even let the media know it happened. Uh, so for all we know, they've, they've tendered a contract to Roberts, haven't announced it, well, uh, but he's not going to go anywhere. And I don't think he should go anywhere. Granted, let's, let's fast forward two, three years in the future. He's done the same shit again. Then we can have a conversation, but the next two to three years are, are his at the helm. According to Fabian Ardwaya that he wrote in the athletic, um, it's not a question of when, but it's a question of if Robert gets extended. So it sounds like based off what he's, he's hearing from his camp, they really have not been much talks between the Dodgers and Dave Roberts. Uh, what's he got? One more year left on this his This is field? it, I think, right? This is, this, yeah, this is it. I actually he's um, not going anywhere. I think a, a secret sneaky good candidate, if they just let Dave Roberts walk for because they underachieve again, maybe Mark Pryor is the guy for the job. I think because this Dodgers team is so heavily dependent on their pitching, why not put someone who knows pitching in charge and who's working these guys into becoming stars? It's that's, Mark Pryor. That's why catchers are always the best managers. Yeah, that's I a, agree. That's a I mean, I, I, like I said, I think Dave Roberts needs to stay, but whenever the next manager of the Dodgers comes to fruition, it needs to be someone who can manage pitchers and who knows the bullpen, who knows starters, all of that. So here's how I feel about Dave Roberts. I agree with both of your points kind of simultaneously as I'm thinking about this, but I feel kind of indifferent at this point about whether I'd want him to stay or whether I'd be okay with him going. I think I would be okay with him going, but I wouldn't be upset if he stayed and they kept him long-term. I think that, um, he has earned a right to be there. Um, he has been a, a very successful manager and they have won a world series since he's been there, um, since, uh, 2016. So do I think that he should have won more? Yes, of course he had great, he's had terrific teams every single year. And there were a few years where I felt like 
we came up short because of him. 2019, um, king among them. And even though we may not have won 2018, you win that game four, who knows, right? A whole new momentum. You've got one more game in LA. You push it 3-2, go back to Boston. Anything's possible. So I wouldn't have written off that team uh, anyway. And they had that game in the bag. And, and it was because of Roberts that we got screwed in that game. Um, but ultimately, I think that, yeah, he, he has underperformed in a lot of ways. But I also agree with what David was saying, which is he has gotten a lot better, too. And I think that the Dodgers don't win the 2020 World Series, as we've all noted, without Dave Roberts pulling the correct lovers. And he almost he almost you know blew yeah. it for us. There I was, was going to say, didn't he almost lose us that World Series? Well, there was that there was that Pedro Baez moment, which made no sense. Keeping Pedro Baez in, forget which game it was, but um, that was a that was a horrible decision. Or, but or. um, but also he mismanaged a lot of the NLCS, which got them down three one. That's true. However, you know, the way he managed in the World Series was great uh, with Julio Arias, uh, keeping Julio Arias in the game. We also got some help from Kevin Cash. Kevin Cash was the Dave Roberts in that series. Well, I mean, I'm it's but that's Kevin Cash. Kevin Kevin Cash wasn't that's that's my that's my point is there's always going to be a Dave Roberts move of some kind. It's just a matter of who makes it. Uh, all these managers make a ton of mistakes, all of them, every last one of them. Uh, it's just a matter of when you make the mistake, is the other team going to make you pay or is your team going to execute? And in 2020, we saw the Dodgers players execute the shit out of the NLCS and the World Series. Uh, with a couple exceptions, obviously the game four, the ending of game four, and then you see 2019, 2018, 2017 even, the players didn't execute. I mean, if, if he pulls Rich Hill, and I think it was Ryan Madsen, uh, or whoever he brought in, Scott executes. Alexander. Scott Alexander. Scott Alexander walked the guy, and then and then Madsen gave up the, the home run, yes? To yes. Mitch Moreland, so yeah. So if, if either one of those guys executes – they could easily win that game, and that's we're not but, ever talking but about the it. Problem and, and is Donald those... Trump doesn't tweet about the nervous managers, one of my favorite tweets of all time, and we're not talking about Dave Roberts. So, yes, he made the incorrect decision in hindsight and, frankly, in, in game in real time. Too. In real time, yes. But if his players just executed, there is no Dave Roberts blunder, and that's my point. But the is, problem no with that – who it is, there's going to be guys who make mistakes. The problem with your argument is that Scott Alexander and Ryan Madsen weren't high leverage relievers. So putting them into that situation and hoping that they were going to succeed is just, it's foolish. Well, they were for that Dodgers team. Alexander certainly was not. Well, he was the left-handed guy they had left and Ryan Madsen was used as a high leverage guy. Now that's on the front office. That's on Dave. That's not on Dave Roberts. That's on the front office for basically making him a high leverage guy when they could have gone out and got someone else. And we didn't the, even we didn't even bring up that he was forcing Jansen to pitch two innings in relief back to back games. Well, frankly, I don't blame him. His hands were tied. Those bullpens were bad, very very. They were bad. not bad. It was they the best bullpen in baseball, maybe besides the Brewers. No, twenty eighteen was like top three. They had nobody. Dylan Flora was phenomenal. 
Actually, Pedro Baez was good. Jansen, obviously. Um, I know they picked up Axford. He was awful, and Alexander was awful. But I feel like I'm missing – Kenta Maeda came out of the pen. I feel like I'm missing a key lefty. Urias. Urias was a, in the bullpen. I don't think he was there for that series. I, don't think, I think you both – I mean, look, the, you series. both – you both make valid points. You know, has Dave Roberts made us want to tear our hair out? Absolutely. But have have the Dodgers players made us want to tear our hair out? Yes, both can be true. And yes, Dave Roberts did put the Dodgers in in very difficult positions to succeed. That is true as well. 2019 is a beautiful example that we've been over a thousand t- different That's times. That's his worst move ever. That right the, there. The series of moves, yes. That was just awful in that game five. And and he and he cost the Dodgers that series. Um, but you know, he's also made a couple of great moves, which which was Julio Rios in the in the NLCS in 2020 and in and in the World Series that year were great moves. The problem was is that he thought that that was going to be the same case in 2021. But the problem with Roberts is he's got this sort of like hero's mentality of like knowing that these guys had success in the past in these glory moments, or he wants to give a guy a glory moment that may be, you know, struggling a little bit. He loves to do that. That's the, that's the emotional part of Roberts that, that I can't stand sometimes because it's a different team. You know, yes, Julio Arias has had success coming out of the bullpen. No doubt about that. And which is why I was okay with the move at the time, but looking back on it, you look at the team and Julio Arias is it was one of your only starters in in the on the whole team that could potentially start a game and the strength of your team was your bullpen so why wouldn't you go and use the guys that you have that got you here and and use the strength and that's the thing that pissed me off about the NLCS is that yes the Dodgers were injured yes they were tired the offense was sluggish the the starting rotation was overworked but the bullpen wasn't it was as fresh as it could be and to not lean on that and to not say, hey, hey, Blake Trinan, freaking go for it. Give us all you got. I just don't understand that. So, yes, there are a lot of moves that you could criticize about Dave Roberts' tenure. But overall, it has been pretty successful. He's also been gifted the best rosters, which was my initial point. But... No, I think that that's a valid point, which, is, which brings me back to my point, my overall point, which is I'm indifferent. I you know, I, I don't know who else out there would be a better fit for the Dodgers. You know, is the grass greener? You never know, right? I mean, you either stick with the with what you got or you go for something greener. And I don't think that there really is anything else out there. However, if they decide that Dave Roberts is just not, you know, putting them in the position to win as, as much as they want and they get rid of him, I'm fine with that. I'm fine either way, really. He, he deserves he deserves an extension. I you know I I think I, so too. I would have never said this after 2019. I would have said get his ass out of here, get someone else in there. Good night, Dave. That's what I would have said after 2019. But he has gotten a lot better. He really has. These 2020 and 2021, I stand by it. He's gotten a lot better. He's taken strides as a manager. He's limited those emotional decisions that we saw in 2019 and prior to that. And, and he, he has the guys buying in. I mean, they could have easily just, you know, sailed it in last year. I mean, they had every, every single damn thing that could go wrong last year went wrong. Uh, and they still bought in the players bought in. They were, uh, 
what are they? Yeah, they were. Am I tripping right now? Yeah, they were. They were three wins away from the NLCS, uh, from the World Series. You can't. You can't really ask for much more than that. Their team had had reached its peak, in my opinion, uh, with all these injuries. No Max Muncie, no Bauer, no Dustin May. Uh, you know that that takes no Kershaw, on, uh, no Kershaw. But, I mean, but before what, the series started, you guys acted like they were going to roll over the Braves, no problem. Well, I thought they were going to. <laughs> so. And I, I mean, I thought the Dodgers would win it maybe six. But... I, well, I, I actually didn't think that they were going to roll over the Braves. I thought that the Braves would be a tough, comp- a tough competition, but that the Dodgers would, would beat them. I mean, I, I didn't think it would be I mean, this. They I... had those first two games. They had them. They had they the lead had in both of them. One and two. They had, they had the lead. They had the lead in the, what the in the seventh inning in both both of those they games, right? Them, they had them by the throat. And don't forget whose decision it was to pinch hit Steven Souza Jr. with the game on the line. Oh, that was, yeah. Yeah. That I was mean, bad. Why is he even on the roster is the bigger question. That's, that's the issue is all these injuries that forced us to use Steven Souza in a do or die. And just how bad triple a was too. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these things aren't in his control. I mean, he's, he's doing what he can with the pieces. I, I think if he doesn't win another world series in two, three years, then you, then you maybe move on. Oh God. I, I, I'd give it one. Like I, I think this team, the window is right now, and I don't think it's closing by any means. But if they don't win a World Series by 2024, then all this was for nothing. Well, I don't know. Their their window is very large. I think the prime of their window is two to three more years. Yeah, I mean, especially if this is JT's with, last at season. At least with this, at least with this group. Uh, because then you start getting into free agency of the younger guys like Bueller and Arias and Bellinger. Muncie and too. Got, yeah. I mean, Muncie's got two more years on his deal, I believe. Uh, he'll be getting up there in age. I doubt he'll want to go anywhere else. So, uh, but yes, that's, that's the, that's the window for this core group here. I was just going to get back to my original thought. Cause I, I was blanking on what, what it was, but it, I remember Caleb Ferguson was actually on that. 2018 NLCS roster and they took him off for Scott Alexander, which I don't know who you blame for that, but that was very head scratching. Well, you also have present day Caleb Ferguson in your mind when in 2017, he was not what he was before he got hurt. All right. Uh, You guys want to do any out of left fields real quick? I don't have one this week. Um, I just have one more uh, thing of note um, about some interesting AJ Pollock news. It's not really news, but just kind of information that I found interesting. Um, So apparently AJ Pollock fell short of the minimum plate appearance threshold that would have made him a free agent this winter. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, that's insane. (laughs) Even though he had a pretty decent season, um, he made $15 million last year and will only make $10 million in the final year of his deal. Um, but he has incentives in his contract that he'll make an additional $1 million after he reaches 400, 450, 500, 550, and 600 plate appearances in 2022. So it is, uh, you know, based on his health, obviously. And for context, Pollock only had 422 plate appearances uh, last year. And then at the end of this deal, at the end of this deal, he does have a, player option for 10 million for 2023, 
which if you're AJ Pollock, I mean, you know, maybe he has another, another terrific year, but he's what 35. So uh, I don't what, think he's that old. Is he? I feel like he is 33 or 34, maybe. Um, Let's see. Or maybe he will be 35 at the end of this year. I don't know. He, yeah. That's 35 more at the end of this year. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, unless he has a terrific season where he can, you know, parlay that into some sort of, you know, multi-year deal somewhere else, you got to figure he's going to take that option. And then also what role does Pollock really, you know, what, what role does he have? I mean, with the DH that does make his role a little bit more flexible, but um, anyway, I just thought I would throw that out there. If you guys have any comments on Pollock. No, I mean, I never thought I'd say that see the day when he'd be probably underpaid as a Dodger. Uh, but we're getting there if he replicates last year. I mean, $10 million a year for what he did last year, if he can do that again this year, that's an absolute steal. Yeah. I mean, he is very under, under – I think he is underrated for them. Well, I don't know. Maybe he's appropriately, appropriately rated because he is, he is good. He's not great, but he's solid, and he is injury-prone. So I guess, I guess he is properly rated. I wouldn't say he's overrated or, I mean, underrated. Yeah, nothing to add. You know, it's a year-by-year basis with A.J. Pollock. You never know which Pollock you're going to get. But the last two years, he's been just exceptional. So why not figure it carries over into this following season? And, hey, he was great in the playoffs. So that's that's an improvement to the previous couple of years. Yeah, that narrative's dead. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what he'll do in terms of 2023. You know, $10 million for some guys seems like a lot. But for him, you know... If he can go out there and get a three-year deal, why wouldn't why wouldn't he just take that instead? I, I think it I think it depends on what he does this year. And if he if he has a down year, right. then and he has a player option, I would pick that up in a second. Cool. Um, I'll do my out of left field, I guess, real quick, and then that'll be it for today. This is probably the most heated topic in the history of the world. Well, more than Democrats versus Republicans, more than um, Winter Olympics versus Summer Olympics, which reminds me that we do have a quick question real quick from Flip Mid on Twitter. What's your favorite Olympic sport in the Olympics? For the winter, winter or summer? Winter? Winter, yeah. Uh, I like the biathlon just because it's so random and savage. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with the biathlon. With the shooting? Is it is cross-country skiing with a rifle on your back and you ski <laughs> and then shoot targets and then ski more and then shoot more targets. Uh, biathlon legend, his name is Bjorn Dahlin. Uh, watched him in college, a bunch of buddies and I. We all gambled on him. He was the heavy favorite. We won a shit ton of money betting on Bjorn Dahlin. So I love the biathlon, followed by probably the luge or the skeleton. Those are always cool to watch. Yeah, I like, I like the skiing events too. Those are cool. The slalom. I was going to go with snowboarding. I think that's been a pretty cool sport. Sean White. How about uh, Lindsay Jacob Ellis celebrating before she crossed the finish line and then falling down? That was a classic. <laughs> All right. So back to my topic real quick. The most heated debate. It is hands down. Does pineapple belong oh, on pizza? <laughs> and the answer simply is I mean, it's yes. not, but okay. Pineapple in its own respect and right is one of the best pizza toppings in the world. And I'll give you a few reasons why. First of all, biology tells us that the combination of sweet and salty 
is just downright pleasurable and it's good for your <laughs> brain. So you can't argue with science there. Second of all, it's a healthy topping. Yes, you can get put veggies on your pizza and I'm on board with that too. If you like spinach or lettuce or mushrooms and all that, by all means, but fruit, fruit is very good for you. And I think that's a better alternative than going with pepperoni. I'm sorry. As much as, as much as people love pepperoni on their pizza, it's a very overrated topping. And oftentimes it's very dry. I'm actually with Kevin on this one. Um, I do, I do really enjoy pineapple on pizza, but I also enjoy the combo of pineapple and pepperoni. Um, yeah, I think that, that I don't, I don't, however, like the full Hawaiian with the ham. I don't, not a huge fan of that, but the pepperoni and the pineapple, I agree with Kevin, the sweet and savory aspect of it is very pleasurable. No. Okay. So my issue is, first of all, it's disgusting. Second of all, I don't want fruit on my pizza. Third of all, tomatoes are fruit. Well, that's a technicality because tomatoes aren't on the pizza. It's just a part of the pizza. Third of all, the temperature difference is gross. It's like your pizza is kind of hot and then the pineapples are like all cold or whatever. It's just like, no, they, no, it's they all hot pineapple. Are you sure? Yes. Yeah. You've gone the wrong place. Well, I've probably only had it once, honestly, just because it's so appalling, but just my first two points stand. Okay. Just it's, first of all, it's a stupid debate. Second of all, it's gross. Third of all, just no. That's it's a dumb deb- it's a dumb debate because if you like it then it does belong on exactly pizza. and if it, and if you don't like it then it doesn't belong there exactly there's no right answer but i will not be right answer it. but the but the people that shame others for liking pineapple on their pizza they can piss off because i'll do what i want with my pizza <laughs> yeah i mean is someone really is someone doing that really doing but like, my, i don't care what, who, what you put on your pizza like i feel like most <laughs> If, Finally, you're sh- if you're shaming someone for putting pineapple on their pizza, you got to get a life. Well, yeah, people like, do, do you it. care what someone else eats. And to round out, round, round out this topic, the final point is Time Magazine listed Hawaiian pizza as the most influential type of pizza of all time. Apparently, it paved the way for barbecue chicken pizzas and other forms of chicken on pizza. Well, Time Time Magazine also gave Hitler the Person of the Year one year. So, so, I mean, so how serious is, are we taking this magazine? Is Hawaiian is Hawaiian pizza like the the civil rights activists of pizzas? Pretty much, kind of was kind of what he was getting at. Paving the way is that what is that the take there? Yeah, the whole point is don't be don't be afraid. You can put pineapple on your pizza, and I will guarantee you'll like it. So with that being said, if you guys have any final thoughts, that's, that's, that's now you're skating on thin ice, dude. Guarantee that you can you'll like it. I'm guaranteeing it. Let me know. No. Yeah. All right. Any final thoughts? No, I didn't do my idiot tweet of the week. Uh, oh darn it, we didn't do that. I will give you one real quick. It is from Patrick Mahomes's wife, uh, Brittany Matthews who's arguably one of the most annoying people on the planet. Uh, gotta be top three. She tweeted out, I just wish I could do what I want without getting attacked every week. Are you serious? Because welcome to society in the present day, where if you are a public figure, we are going to criticize what you eat for breakfast, what you wear, what you breathe, and everything. 
Second but, of but, all, but also, but also like, sorry to interrupt you. It's not, it's not just where you're being criticized for what you eat, what you wear all the time. It's she, she does put herself out there. I mean, she is very vocal. She is very, you know, visible on, you know, it's like, it's like no one's going after Giselle, right? Cause she's not really like putting noxious you know, and annoying and right. insufferable and terrible. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's sort of like you, 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 you get back what you put out, I guess. Yeah. And that, that was, that was the second part of my, my rant is she could not be more annoying. She has made it a, a mission to just do everything that could possibly anger people and it's working. So yes, when you are going to spray people uh, with champagne from your press box down into the crowd, you're going to get hate from people who don't think you should be doing that. And it's not just because of the action, it's because of how you've conducted yourself over time. So save it, Brittany, save it. All right. Also, there was a point that someone made is, is like, why didn't she spray it in the, her own suite? Yeah, it's always all, she's got to make a spectacle about the stupidest things ever. Don't get all me right, started everyone. on Jackson Mahomes. Yeah, I don't want to hear about him anymore. Yeah, it's over. they lost, it's over. All right, on that note, everyone... Thank you for listening to the Incline Dodgers podcast. Follow us on Twitter. Hope you guys have a great week. Hopefully we have some new content. We're going to address Steve M's question next week so we can do a little research position by position. Tell us the worst contracts in Dodgers history. So we'll do that and some other stuff. And who knows? Well, maybe we'll have a Valentine's Day themed part of the episode. Anything's possible. We'll talk romantic comedies. Anything is on the table here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, we're signing out. Go Dodgers. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming and his facility shines with Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces plus 24 7 customer support his venue never misses a beat Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.